why don't you stand for a moment and um, I want to, this is just the starting point. This is not, uh, this is kind of very, very foundational. So don't try to figure out where we're going by these verses. But Matthew 5.45, Jesus says, That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust, and, and rain here is not intended to be a negative, it's, we need rain. The Message Bible, I think this may be one of those ways in which the reason my grandmother calls it the Messy Bible, but it's still, I think it, it, I like what it says. For then you are working out of your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives His best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone regardless the good and the bad the nice and the nasty Matthew 7 24 says this therefore whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be here this evening as we are winding down summertime and heading back into the school year and people getting in last minute vacations and things going on we've gathered tonight god once again with hearts that are open to hear receive what you would say give us ears to hear tonight what you would say let our hearts be good ground for your word tonight lord we want to be profited by your word let your spirit minister and work in our hearts and our lives tonight trust you again tonight, Lord. Depend on you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I meant to do this before I read scriptures and got into teaching, but I did have a follow-up this morning. Uh, my MRI on my knee, and I have a slightly torn meniscus that hopefully through uh, some exercise and rest and ice and whatever will not need surgery, but... We will see Jesus' name. So uh, that's that's the that's the latest on my ailments. Um, so thank you to those that have asked and been praying. It is it's appreciated. I, I don't mean this statement that I'm about to say in the context of of our separation from the world. Okay, uh, that that's a whole nother context. But when it comes to to the difference between Christians and the world, it's not the external things that separate us. All right, all 
It's the internal things that separate us. Again, I'm not talking about the principles of separation. That's not what I mean. What I, what I mean is in the context of what I just read to you. Jesus says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The sun shines on the just and the unjust. Anybody got some neighbors in your neighborhood that you think they really need Jesus? They need to change some stuff? Anybody? Come on. Do you drive through your neighborhood when it's raining and, and there is a cylinder around that house and they're getting no rain because they don't deserve it? Is there a dark cloud over their house all day that prevents them from getting sun because they're unjust? The sun shines and the rain falls. And again, the rain falling here is, isn't it sad that we have a tendency, rain, a rainy day is a negative day. Where would we be without rain? So again, the context here is not bad, even though sometimes we link of rain versus sunshine, good versus bad. The, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And, and, and then the, the, the parable of the, of the men that built their houses and one built on a foundation of rock and the other built on a foundation of sand. Both of them faced storms. The foundation did not exempt them from storms. The foundation that was being built on did not change whether or not they went through difficulties. It just changed whether or not they were able to make it through those difficulties. Can I remind you, and I think we ought to try to remind ourselves a little more often than we do, the bottom line of what we're doing here is not about the temporal. The bottom line of why we're here has to do with the eternal. Paul says that we don't look at the things which are seen because the things that we see are temporal or temporary and the things that we don't see are eternal. How many people and even how many of us struggle with living based on what we see? Decisions based upon the temporal things. When the bottom line of all of this is the fact this is only the womb for the next life. God was gracious enough to give us an example of a womb for this life. And I think too many times we forget this is not it. Just as the womb for the first nine months was not the destination, this is not the destination. This womb may last different amounts of times than for different people, but the bottom line is this is the womb for what really matters. When David's, or actually I'm not sure David wrote the 73rd Psalm, but when the psalmist said in Psalm 73, that, that my steps had almost slipped because I, I got to looking at the prosperity of the wicked. I got to looking at what was going on in the life of the wicked. In that context, he was talking about good things. In essence, what he was saying was, I, I'm trying to be righteous, I'm trying to live according to the Word of God, and I got problems and difficulties and issues in my life. They don't care anything about, about God, and their lives are great. He said, I, I almost slipped until 
I got in the sanctuary. What happened when you got in the sanctuary? God gave you a new blessing, right? God, God provided you with a new... No. What changed for the psalmist was, when I got in the sanctuary, I understood their end. I understood that what they were experiencing right now was only temporary. And unless something changed, their eternity was not going to be pleasant. And what I am experiencing right now that may be negative and difficult to go through is only temporary, but what I am looking for is eternal. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon His face, the one who saved me by His grace. There will be no sorrow there, no burdens to bear, no more sickness, no more pain, all that, all that great stuff. We're not here tonight so that we can somehow get, a, get an inside uh, uh, advantage on a, on a wonderful life here and now. So that we can have more money and be problem fret. That's not why we're here In this world, ye, not the unjust, all of you shall have tribulation. It's a given. It's going to happen. Rain's going to fall. Sun's going to shine on the good and the bad. Storms are going to come. Any of you see the picture was going around some on social media. There was a church in Maui in the the town, I forget the name of the town that got the the destruction. There's a a picture of the UPC church there that literally surrounding, I'm talking about adjacent property. Destruction. Things were burned to the ground. But that building, Brother and Sister Bailey, who have been a part of Antioch, pastored there, went to church there, went to that building. All around it, but that, that piece of property. But I'm going to tell you, not every time there's a, there's, a, there's a fire and not every time there's a hurricane or a tornado does the church go untouched. Does a church building go untouched? Remember years ago, one of the tsunamis that took place there was a picture that went around back then of, of, some, of some people that were part of the church there, that their house was standing just fine. It doesn't always happen that way. Job. How do you get much better than Job? He lost everything. In the end, God gave it all back, but he still had to go through all of that. And, and, and so, I, I think that's, I think I, I was in, I forget who it was, somebody recently was in a conversation along these lines. I think one of the most detrimental things about some of the preaching that is so popular in our world today is it gives this false hope and this false expectation that if I'll send my seed offering and if I'll do all this stuff, everything's going to be great. And when that doesn't happen, people become disillusioned with God and, and, and disillusioned with the Word of God. The Scripture says, I, I, I wish that you would prosper. That's, I, I wish you would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. 
It's a scary thing if you're in the position of prospering and your soul's not prospering. Because if you're prospering and you're in good health and your soul's not prospering, you need to question the source of your prosperity. So this, is, this isn't about us being exempt from pain and difficulties and problems. People in this room tonight battling sickness, some battling diseases, and not just sicknesses going around. People in this room tonight battling ailments. <laughs> Can God heal? Absolutely. Is God a healer? Yes, He, yes, he is. Does God heal every pain, sickness, and disease? No, He doesn't. And I'll just say this again in case anybody needs to hear it. Your faith is not your problem. Well, if you're not getting your miracle, you just don't have enough faith. Hogwash, as Bishop would say. It's a bunch of baloney. If all it takes is a mustard seed of faith to move a mountain, tell me how your faith is a problem. Well, I, I got some doubt. That's not a problem either. Really? Yeah, as long as you're honest. I forget it was his son or his daughter, but the man came to Jesus looking for help. And he said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. God's not bothered by your doubt. God's bothered by your dishonesty. Bottom line is, you don't even have to tell him you doubt. He already knows. It just... Confession's good for you. <laughs> so I, I again that this this, this is the this, any, anybody anybody got any challenges, adversities, difficulties in your life? Anybody? Let, let, let me let, let me rephrase that question. Let me rephrase that question. Is there anybody tonight that does not have any challenges, difficulties, pain, some kind of negative thing? Anybody? didn't think so. I uh, was sitting yesterday, I spent a little more time than I had in the last several days on my feet Tuesday, so I decided to sit at home and work from home and just try to stay off my, my leg yesterday, and I was sitting there yesterday afternoon, my phone rang, and it was, it was uh, Brother Hurt, and we, we started just chatting, and, and uh, in the course of that, he asked me, how's things going? And I told him about the, the last couple of months and stuff going on, Esther and Elizabeth and, and uh, my leg the last week and other stuff. And I, and I said, you know, I, I don't know if this is just life or if this is a spiritual battle or I don't know. I hate to tell you, not everything you're going through is a spiritual battle. Some of it's life. It's just life. It's just rain falling. It's just sun shining. It's just storms. It's life. Some things you're going through is not just life. It's a spiritual battle. How do I know which one it is? Pray. And, and he made this statement. You've already read it, but some people want peace from understanding. God wants to give peace 
beyond understanding. I'm going to read it in just a moment, but peace that surpasses understanding. I, I I got my last spanking. I was like 14 years old. My brother would have been like four or five standing outside the door laughing. My, I've said it before jokingly, and please, under my dad never abused me in any way. But I'm telling you what, my dad could unbuckle his belt with one hand, pull it out, and by the time it got here, there was about six to eight inches perfectly ready. I don't know how he did it. I was too intimidated. I just went to Home Depot and got paint sticks because I could never compete to that. I got, I got all kinds of spankings growing up. I know some of y'all can't ever imagine I needed a spanking. That's why I'm the way I am, because I got spankings. We were in a little, that little church building on Windsor Avenue that wasn't much bigger than probably these two sections right here. Right, Brother Evans? My, my human tape measure. He said, not that big. I was about three or four rows back, probably about four or five years old, give or take a year, down on the floor, cutting up during worship. And from the platform, he wasn't bishop back then, he was just pastor. Came off that platform, marched me out to the back, to the little bathroom, and we had a little discussion (laughs) with a little rod of correction that was applied. There was not one single time that I ever got spanked that I lacked understanding of why I was getting spanked. I understood fully every time. Whether I agreed with it or not, I understood. But I'm going to tell you what, my level of understanding did not lessen the pain one single degree. There is something far greater than you and I getting an answer to why. Is this life or is it spiritual warfare? And why, God? What? If He tells you why, it's, it's not going to make it any easier. There is something superior to you understanding that God is trying to give to you. And, and, and here's kind of where we're, this, this is an old, I, I was really kind of battling a little bit today as I was studying and preparing for tonight, because several years ago I taught a series for several weeks, and I don't know that this is going to go past tonight, but I taught a series about the, the battleground of our mind. And can I tell you tonight, I think the place that you and I tend to be the most passive is right here. And it's one of the most critical areas of our lives that we should not be passive in. I, I laying down last night, I, I, I don't, when I'm transparent, usually somebody comes and appreciates it and thanks me, so I don't know how many get disillusioned or disappointed, but I'll try to help somebody. I, I don't know what this, this, I was just, I mean, 
got my elbow injections on my elbow the beginning of last of July, and it still feels as bad as it did before the injection. I had my follow-up a couple days ago, and he said, well, you know, it, it takes eight to ten weeks. Okay. So I'm halfway there, a little over halfway there, but I don't, I don't like sitting around. I can't stand sitting around. I like, I, like, I like doing stuff. I like playing sports. I like doing yard work. I, I like doing stuff. And even with the lack of being anywhere near normal, I felt like I was reaching the point. In fact, last week, Monday, was the first time I cut the grass in several weeks. And I wake up Wednesday morning and legs whacked out, have no idea why. What'd you do? I don't know. Doctor, what'd you do? I don't know. Others, so what'd you do? I don't know. I punched somebody. I don't know. Don't ask me that question. I, I, I have, I said to my wife, I, I irritated to death with the fact, how does this, just a stupid knee injury affect my mind and my attitude so much? It's not cancer. It's not... I, I, I'm sure no one else here tonight this applies to. <laughs> listen, listen, Philippians. I know most of you can quote at least verse 8, but, or excuse me, verse 7, maybe 8 too, but as well. But listen, Philippians 4, 6. Be careful. I'm, I'm going to read this to you in another translation. Just in case you don't know what that means. That means don't worry about anything. Is there anybody here tonight that can say you're living that? You're not worrying about anything. Paul says, don't be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Here it is. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. God wants to give peace beyond understanding. Shall keep your hearts and minds Through Christ Jesus. I'm sure there are some in this room tonight. If I thought long enough, I might be able to think of some of you. But off the top of my head, I'm not thinking of it. But I'm sure there's some people here tonight. More than likely, you've got some kind of uh, um, chronic, ongoing, physical issue. That's that's not just a bug going around. It doesn't just go away in a couple of days. Maybe some of you got a disease you're battling with. But I would, I would venture to say there is a higher percentage of people in this room tonight that your biggest battle is not anything physical. Your biggest battle is what's going on in your mind. Fear, anxiety, depression, worry. 
be careful for nothing. And the peace of God will guard, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Don't worry about anything. And what do we all say? Yeah, right, Paul. <laughs> sure. You know, we'll, we'll take some of that other stuff you said, but really? Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank Him for His answers. If you do this, you will experience God's peace which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. And now, brothers, as I close this letter, let me say this one more thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and dwell on the fine good things in others. Think about all you can praise God for and be glad about. Keep putting into practice all you learned from me and saw me doing, and the God of peace will be with you. Verse 7, the Amplified, God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil state of a soul assured of His salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace which transcends all understanding shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And lastly, the not lastly, the Message Bible says, it's, a one, it's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Passion Translation says, Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. He said, whatsoever things are lovely, pure, think on these things. I know some of you, especially some of you ladies, are going to argue with what I'm about to say, but I'm sorry, it, you're wrong. You cannot think about two things at once. You cannot think about two things at once. I'll prove it to you. Think about some nice, hot, fresh pepperoni pizza from Bella Italia. Mm. Think about a fresh, right-off-the-grill burger from Five Guys. While you're thinking about that burger, still think about that pizza. But now that you're thinking about the pizza, you're not thinking about the burger because you're now thinking about the burger until I say pizza. And now you're back to pizza. And some of you probably somewhere in there are thinking about tacos because you don't like burgers or pizza. And not Taco Bell. Sorry to my second son-in-law. Taco truck, first and foremost. I'm getting help from Brother Mike. Come check. Yes, sir. You can't do it. You cannot do it. 
And yet, how many times do we sit around victims of worry and doubt and fear because we are not thinking on the other things? Uh, The sad thing is, when we as Christians, the thing that should distinguish us from the world, that we're not even doing that either. We're just as stressed as they are. We're just as much anxiety as they have. One of the most disturbing things to me of 2020 was the fact that the church reacted to a, to a pandemic the same way the world did. There was just as much fear in the church as there was in the world. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. A thousand shall fall at thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Well, what about those of us that got COVID? What about it? If He chooses for it not to touch you, it won't touch you. And if He chooses there's some other purpose that it needs to touch you, it'll touch you. But I'm not going to live in fear of it happening or not happening. I'm going to think on these things. That word keep means to guard. To protect by a military guard, either in order to prevent hostile invasion or to keep the inhabitants of a besieged city from flight. Comes from a compound, two Greek words. It means to be a watcher in advance, to mount guard as a sentinel, post spies at gates, figuratively to him in to protect. The, the peace of God is supposed to be a guard that keeps thoughts and ideas from getting to your mind that are contrary to the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the peace of God. It is to guard your mind. I'm not, I'm not going to put anybody on the spot, but I wonder right now, if I were to ask the question, and we'd be honest, how many of you are battling depression tonight? I wonder how many hands we'd see. How many of you are struggling with anxiety tonight? I wonder how many hands we would see. How many of you are battling fear tonight? How many hands would we see? I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm just telling you what I, what I sense in my spirit and also telling you what I'm seeing in my own life. I'm no better than you, and you're no better than me. <laughs> it's pretty unlikely that I'm battling what I'm battling in my mind, and the rest of you are all good. And there's, there's some areas in my life, you, put, you, you push the wrong button, there's stuff that rises up in me, I'm ready to fight. I know, it's, I know it's trivial, it doesn't matter, it doesn't have any long-term significance, but stick me on a court, stick me on a field. There's stuff that comes out of me you don't see any place else. I'm not justifying it there. And yet I sit around and every now and then I think about the fact, why am I such a stinking victim of what's going on up here? Part of the problem is, and I'll come back to this here in a little bit, part of the problem is 
Some of us are sitting around for God to do something that He's instructed us to do. We're waiting on God to magically do something that He's already given us instructions on what to do and provided the grace to help us to do it, but... Barnes Notes says the Christian committing his way to God and feeling that he will order all things aright has a peace which is nowhere else known. Sat in a barber chair today and going to this lady for 15 plus years. First started going, we moved to our, our last house in 2009. So my barber before that I went to for about 20 years, so you didn't know, I'm kind of a guy of routines. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, getting the conversation here and there, and the course of the last couple of months, I've mentioned a time or two about some of the stuff going on in my family, and for a little bit of time, my, my sons went to her, but apparently she's not good enough for them, so they have to go someplace else. So she, she's known them a little bit, but telling her about Elizabeth and telling her about Esther and Esther's miscarriage and she, and she started saying and and you know I, I'm really a, embarrassed Mike Mike McGurk will stand up in a whole airport and I won't even take advantage of a conversation in a barber chair, chair so forgive me for not being brother Mike here but uh, maybe that'll help somebody else too but I, I probably missed an opening but Hopefully the Lord will give me another time because she started saying, you know, my daughter, she got a, I think going into a senior in high school, her daughter brought up recently a conversation about why, why, do, why do bad things happen to people and, and why do, you know, why do children get sick? Why do children die? And they've got a uh, friend, friends that have a child dealing with leukemia. And, and she said, she told her daughter this, she said, think things happen for a reason. I don't really know why, but they happen for a reason. You know what? That, that's, that's all well and good. And, and she was trying to explain to her daughter and trying to, to believe. But it's, it's one thing to say that without a God consciousness. It's one thing to, to reach it. It's from a natural stand, from a strictly natural standpoint, it's a commendable thing to reach the point where you decide and you're telling your child that, that even bad things, you said, you know, somebody gets in a car accident, who knows, maybe a couple of years after that they would have gotten a terminal disease and, and had a much more difficult, you know, and all. But, but I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm thinking, and I'm thinking in the context of this, this message tonight, you and I. We, we should be able to believe the same thing, except with an even greater level of confidence and certainty. Because you and I should believe that all things, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. I've, I've used this before, I'll use it again tonight. If, if, if I was going to, to, if I would... If I was going to put in a GPS how to get from here to the bathrooms, chances are it's going to highlight the aisle straight back out the doors. 
And if for some reason I start down that route, but I decide intentionally or unintentionally to go a different direction, what is it going to do? Reroute, recalculating, rerouting, one of those two words, depending, I guess, on what software you use. It's, it's going to pop up that it's rerouting. Yeah. How many of you hate Apple Maps? How many of you hate Google Maps? How many of you hate Waze? Everybody's got their thing they hate. I kind of hate all of them because they all... I, I, I typically, unless I'm, unless I'm going to be speeding, and I've finally given in, if I'm going to be speeding, I'm going to trust ways. I'm going to use ways. I guess trust ways. But, but if I'm just going from point A to point B, and I'm not trying to be in a hurry and drive fast, and I just use Google. And I've noticed, and especially this area where I'm more familiar with, I'm driving, and I know how to get there, and I know what the best route is, and it's given me these highlighted light gray, similar ETA. Turn off, go down, make a U-turn, come back, and it's a similar... Why would I... Poor people that don't know where they are and try all that similar ETA. But, but if I... And, and, and so now it's probably going to take me straight down and across the back, but if for some reason, again, intentionally or unintentionally, I, I take another turn, it's going to be rerouting and recalculating again. Can I tell you, I don't believe God has ever once recalculated or rerouted the root of your life. Well, what about the mistakes I made? Exactly. Before you ever made them, He already knew you were going to make them. And so from the very beginning, He calculated all of that in. He's not sitting there going, oh my goodness, where are you going? i gotta, I got to recalculate. No, He already knew the end from the beginning and brought all of that in. It's all a part of it. We know that all things. Preach to people, teach to people, speak to people, whatever I'm doing here. I guess when you yell, it's preaching. When you talk, it's teaching. So, Speaking to people tonight, you've lost spouses. You've lost children, parents. Lost jobs, lost businesses. You know what? Some of you may still be in the position you don't see how it's for good. But the promise, every time the devil comes in with accusations against God and God's unfaithfulness and how could a good God let this happen? There should be something that rises up inside of you that says, hold on, you don't own this. And I know I'm pointing here. I'm not talking about your brain. I'm talking about your mind. The mind, when Scripture talks about the mind, it's not synonymous with the brain. It's... But, but listen, we, folks, here's our problem. We are in a battle You ever, you ever played a game, whether it was a sports or a board game or something, and, and you weren't really serious about it? You were just kind of, you know, fooling around only to realize, wait a minute, my opponent is not. I'm just here to have fun and do the best I can. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. And the other person is like, all in. I'm sorry, but I'm afraid there's a lot of Christians that are just hanging out. But the enemy is out to win. And the fact that you may not be serious about trying to win doesn't mean he's... Okay, well, let's just... No. 
2 Corinthians 10, 3, for, we, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down. That, that, that's, not, that's not some passive, mamsy-pamsy little statement there. That, that, that's not, you know, okay, we got strongholds, so let's, let's get rid of them. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having a readiness in, to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Verse 5 in the Message Bible, we use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. What happens when you get that report that your company is unstable your job may be at risk. What, 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 what are the thoughts? <gasps> what am I going to do? How am I going to survive? I got people that are counting on me. I got a family to feed. I got bills to pay. What am I going to do? Or, 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 or shouldn't it be? Well, the one I'm trusting in is not the boss. It's not the owner. The one I'm trusting in is the one that's in control. I, 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 heard, this, I heard this preacher. I, I, I need this media detox. This preacher it popped real popped up on my Instagram the other day. This preacher was saying that the statement God is in control is one of the most ridiculous statements, untrue statements he's ever heard. What in the world? I understand God doesn't control us. We have a free will. But what's the point if we don't believe God is in control? And how in the world do you have any peace if you don't ultimately believe that God is in control? My God shall supply all of my needs according to His, not according to the economy, not according to the company I work for. My God shall supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory. The word thought means a perception. It means a mental perception. A thought. I've said it in different ways and different analogies, but, but if you went home tonight and you knew there was, a, there was a snake in your house, unless you're the Wilsons, All I know is Sister Lauren got something I don't have. She came to me a couple pastor, we had a snake in the house, we can't find it. I mean, for sale. For sale, see you later. I'm gonna tell you right, you think I'm you may think I'm joking. I'm not. There have been numerous times I've prayed, Lord, I'm just telling you. I, I could not, there's some things I can, but I cannot handle. No snake in the house, so I just need you to help me on this one. 
You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't go to bed. If you knew, if you knew there was a poisonous spider in you, you would not go to bed until you captured it. And why in the world? Am, am I anybody willing to, or are you just going to sit there and make me out I'm the only one in the room? Why in the world? We sit around as if we're some victim with thoughts going crazy. I'm convinced the way it usually works is the enemy comes along with one thought. And in essence, what we do is we say, thanks, I got it from here. Google and I will handle the rest. That's all he got to do. Just was one thought. That's, you, you're done. You got the rest from here. Take every thought, every thought that is contrary, every imagination that is con. And I know if you study this out, this is also talking about philosophies and things and like that. I get that. But I think it's also talking in a very practical application as well. That the things that go on in our minds on a daily basis, we've got to decide you don't have a right to stay here. I will take you captive to the obedience of Christ. That word captive means like a prisoner of war. We wrestle not. The question is, do we wrestle? Yeah, and I've said it before. Well, if I, if I got up here right now, and you know what, there, we're, we're going we're gonna to do some spiritual warfare. There's some spiritual things going on in our county, and our, there's some principalities and powers. Some of you, you'd lock in in seconds. But unless I'm missing something, just about every time you, you come across verses that we use in the context of spiritual warfare, some of, the, some of the basic foundation of those verses has to do with the thoughts and the mind, not demons and principalities. I know there are, we, we, I know, Cass, I, uh, uh, what, what do you say? Principalities, powers, what's that other verse? I didn't, spiritual wickedness. I know that, I'm not saying that's not a, please, I'm not saying But I've said it before and I'll say it again and I'll stand by it. The majority of spiritual warfare that you and I do, the spiritual warfare that you and I should do on a regular basis is not about demons and principalities and powers. It's about deciding that I am in control. I have a right to decide what is allowed to occupy my mind. Fear does not have the right to decide. Depression does not have the right to decide. Anxiety does not have the right to this none of that has the right to decide to stay the only thing that has a right for it to stay is if i choose to let it stay think on these things when my mind is racing about these things i need to stop and say i'm gonna think on these things Not sit around and wait on God to do some magical thing for me. We wrestle. We got to wrestle. I don't don't know that I've ever 
I don't recall in my years of ministry teaching of ever really teaching through the, the armor of God. And I'm not necessarily going to do that here tonight or I don't feel to do that beyond tonight. But look, look, look what Paul says, Ephesians 6 and 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That, that's, that's, actually, that's a command. Be strong. Be strong. Isn't it amazing the number of things people do naturally speaking? They just decide to do it. They're just, just going to do it. Not ho- no Holy Ghost. No. Just determination. Just a made up mind. And then, well, if God helps me, if God. Paul said, be strong. It was in the book of Joshua, the Lord says, be courageous. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. First of all, He did not say, put on your robe. Put on your pajamas. Put on your t-shirt and sweatpants and get in your recliner. Put on your armor. And not put on your armor just so you can walk around looking good and impress people with your armor. Put your armor on because you need it. Oh, and by the way, you put on your armor. This is, this is I think, how a bunch of us live. Oh, God, I need your armor, God. I Put your armor on me, God. Oh, God, I need your armor. I'm going to go on a 21-day fast, God, so you'll put your armor on me. I'm going to go to the altar, God. Surely tonight, if I'll go to the altar and cry and pray enough, you'll put your armor on me. No, Paul didn't say let God put His armor on you. Paul said you put on. You put on the armor. You put on the armor. Why? So that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. So that you can fight. Because here it is. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand. You take the armor, you put it on. I know, anointing and things like that, but God sent Samuel to anoint David to be king. David didn't have to put on the anointing. When it comes to the armor of God, Paul says, you put on the armor. Put on the whole armor so that you can stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, above all, not, not more important than all, but, but, but in, in position, above all. 
taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. I, I did teach it, it may have been when I was teaching about the battle of the mind, a couple or bat, the battleground a couple of years ago. In, according to my study, I don't know how much of you can see that, that organ speaker there. It's called a, it's called a, a Leslie, right? It's, 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 what, two, two and a half feet wide, three, three, three or four feet tall? That, that's comparable to what you study out, this shield. That's, it's not some little tiny little shield. Like, so, so overall, so that you can quench the fiery darts of the enemy. Fiery that, that's those things that, man, he's, he's shooting from a distance. Fiery dots, those thoughts, those things that seem to come from out of nowhere, attacking your mind. Shield of faith. But watch this. And take the helmet of salvation and the, word, and the, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Notice here, the, the, the helmet of salvation... And the sword of the Spirit are both. Is it not up there? Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which are what? There we go. No trick question. I'm not. (laughs) The helmet. Am I reading that right? The helmet and the sword are the word. And the word, word there is rhema. A helmet is more of a defensive piece of armor. The sword is an offensive. The helmet and the sword are the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Message Bible. And, and that about wraps it up. God is strong and He wants you strong. So take everything the Master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finished against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's Word is an indispensable weapon. God's Word is an indispensable weapon. The Passion Translation says it this way. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. Like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. And take the mighty razor-sharp spirit sword. The footnote there is, this is the Greek word, makara, which was was a razor-sharp Roman sword used in close combat of the spoken word of God. 
the razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. Pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. Pray the blessing of God upon all his believers. I think it's significant to note that the description there that, that this sword was used in close combat. Those, 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 those fiery darts come at us from a distance. Spears tend to be thrown at a distance. So the things that the shield of faith, they, they somehow get by the shield of faith. We're supposed to be pre- prepared for some up-close combat. Put on. Put on. Where you at, Brother Burnell? Got an object lesson for you tonight. No dog, but I got an object lesson. Put on. I, I, I got a question. I got a question. What, what would you do, John, if I started throwing rocks at your head right now? Yeah. Problem is, what if you're looking that way and I'm behind? You know that you, I know most of you have heard this, but you know the interesting thing about the armor of God: there is no protection provided for the back. So, one thing that means is you better not turn your back on your enemy. You think it's bad trying to stand your ground and fight your enemy? Everything you've got is intended to take him head on. You turn your back, you're now exposed. Of course, the other very significant part of that is I'm supposed to be able to trust that while I'm fighting my enemy and I've got all my armor that's got me prepared for a frontal fight, I've got some people behind me that I'm not worried about them taking advantage of my... I got people behind me that got my back. But if those thoughts are coming from behind and you're not aware, yeah. Yeah. but I, I got a question. What happens? <laughs> what happens now? May cause injuries in other places, but not the head. You see how far that bounced? Take that. No, I know some of y'all would bounce a long ways, but it still would hurt. How, how sad would it be? If this is sitting right there, and he's sitting, I'm not going to throw him, don't worry. And he's sitting as a victim to all of these thoughts, when right next to him is a helmet. The inter- you know what, the interesting thing to me is, he, he still knows, you, you know you just got hit. But that's pretty neat, isn't it? Wow. Got hit, but didn't bother me. Got hit, but 
didn't affect me. The, the problem is, as much as I would love to go around and strap it on to every one of you tonight, you and you alone decide, am I going to put on all of the armor and primarily focusing tonight, am I going to put on the helmet of salvation, which is the Word of God, so that every thought that is thrown against me, that is contrary, it is not allowed to find a lodging place. Put on something better than you understanding. You may totally understand those thoughts, but they hit you, they hurt. There's something better than understanding. Peace that passes all understanding. Peace will guard, protect your hearts and your mind. It'll guard. When that thought is coming, peace, if I'm letting peace work, Peace is out in front. Nope, sorry. Not coming here. Not allowed here. Don't belong here. Active. Sitting passive. I'm afraid too many, too many believers, too many Christians, too many apostolics are living passively. It's a lot more effective instead of trying to dodge the thoughts just to put on your helmet. Trust. Something goes wrong. The enemy starts to question God's faithfulness if you're in your life. If I got my helmet of salvation on, falls off. But notice, I've got a defensive use of the word and I've got an offensive use. Because when that thought hits against the helmet of salvation, it may bounce off. But you know what? I'm not going to stop right there. Let's go ahead and deal with this. Let's be proactive. God is faithful. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. Everything is going to work together for good. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with me. I, I, I know it's going to be alright because God's in control. I, I know I've been called and, and I may be going through a difficult time. I, I may not be in a fruitful season in my ministry right now, but I know I've been called and God is faithful to do what He started. If God started the work in me, God's going to finish the work. That has to be active. It can't be passive. I, I hope you already got the gist of it before now. I'm not preaching at you tonight. Preaching to me, teaching to me, whatever it is, just as much as you. Why in the why in the world am I sitting around so much like such a victim? I, I've got I've got it's just something. I, I'm just sorry. Holding up your iPad, even though it's got a Bible app, is just not the same thing. Somebody got a Bible. Somebody got a Bible. Now, why was I getting a Bible? Yeah, I know, but I don't know why I was talking about that. Good 
Yes, thank you. All right, first of all, you and I have rhema in here that we have a right to claim. You understand, I know most of you know this, but just in case somebody's not that familiar, just you need to be reminded. The, when, when you read the word word in the New Testament, there's two basic Greek words, logos and rhema. Right, right, yeah. I probably didn't say either one of those properly. So, Logos is the written words. Rhema is a, is a fresh utterance. And yes, absolutely, that divine rhema can be God just speaking to you directly. But I'm going to tell you, I, I don't always keep this in mind like I need to, but I'm going to tell you one of the absolute best rhemas you can ever get is not when a man or woman of God prophesies to you. One of the best rhemas you can ever get is when something in this written word is quickened by the Spirit and becomes a living word for you because it's right there. So first and foremost, you and I have got some written words that we can claim as our rhema. But then I know I've got, and I believe some of you do as well, you've got some rhema, some other rhema God has given you, words from God that you have and sit around and question and doubt. When I've got, when I've got a helmet, sit around, I listen, I watch, I, I, I watch. I, I hope he ain't watching, I hope he'll never watch. I, I, and in some ways, I was so ready to leave Florida last week. But I spent I spent from Wednesday to Friday hanging out with Brother Wells. That dude is just brilliant. I mean, he's just brilliant. Just just naturally, he's brilliant. He's brilliant with natural stuff, and then he's dropping all kinds of revelatory bombs. I'm like, what in the world am I doing here? Get me out of here. Come back home and I'm walking around like some minor league whatever. What in the world? I, I told you a couple weeks ago I wasn't worried about job security because this is where where's all these... Young guys keep preaching the way they keep preaching. I'm going to worry about job security. So, <laughs> Just kidding. I, what in the world? I, 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 I'm the person here now. God, I, know, I know God put me here. And this is, and yet sitting around letting all kinds of junk. I said letting. Do you know I'm 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 quitting, brother Jeff Alex? He told me a couple of weeks ago I need to I, I I should add the analogy. You know you go you go to land on the carrier and you miss that cable, you have to go back around. So yeah. Yep. Yeah, does anybody know? I, I mean this sincere. I'm asking this question. So if you know, help me out. Does anybody know? After the first time God spoke to Noah and instructed him to build the ark, does anybody know of another time where God spoke to him again about the ark? Anybody? This is not, I'm asking the question because I don't know of it. 
To my knowledge, God spoke to Noah one time. One single time he speaks to Noah and tells him to do one of the craziest things that's ever been instructed in the history of mankind. An angel shows up and says to Gideon, God, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. God's going to use you to lead his people to victory. And Gideon says, okay, well, let me put this rag out on the ground. And if the rag is dry and the ground's wet, okay, well, okay, that was, that's less than he flips it around the other night. Then he still doesn't believe, and God has to send him down to the enemy's camp one night, and he hears these guys sitting in their tents talking about a dream, naming his name. I think it was something like this big boulder came rolling down into our camp, and they called Gideon's name. Gideon had to go through all of that just to lead some people to go fight a battle. And God tells Noah to do the craziest thing that's ever been done because the craziest thing that's ever happened is going to happen. And on one single word, he goes and does everything God for 120 years. No confirmations, no, no, no visitations to confirm the word. And I, I'm going to sit around and need another confirmation that God, what God's going to do at Antioch Central and uh, what God's going to do at Antioch, the Apostolic Church, and what God's going to... I need a nut. Why? why? Why am I sitting around doing that? I'm, I tell you what, because I'm probably walking around like this too much. Oh, oh there's another one. Oh, God. Put on the armor. Put on the helmet of salvation. I, I'm not going to, I'll try to remember to post these tomorrow. I got this last part. I'm not going to go over it, but, but it, it's about the, the significance of the word of God in this context. I'll just read this one part. We should not depend on our own reason or rely on our own wisdom. Jesus himself. Yeah. Come on. In his temptation, how does he respond? It is written. Got my sword out. It is written. Not I think, not I heard, not pastor preach, not the prophet preach. It is written. I got a question. Do you have enough in your arsenal? To come against the thoughts that are thrown at you. It's the word that is your helmet and your sword. I've made the point before and I'll make it in closing. When the psalmist Psalm 73 that I've already referenced. He said, my steps almost slipped. The solution, the answer to his his trial, the answer to him almost slipping was simply a change of perspective. Hello? Hello? 
For some of you tonight that are sitting there and you're facing some major situations in your life that you've got your mind made up, the only answer is for God to do this or do that. I'm here to tell you tonight, the first and foremost answer is you need to change your perspective. chatting with brother Joe Strand a while ago and he made the point Daniel prayed to get into the lion's den we spend all our time praying to get out of it <laughs> battle it's a battle I just I just just lived this recently. I, I've learned. Sorry, I just missed the cable again. <laughs> I, I've learned a while ago now, especially uh, before a service, that don't check email. It's not not smart. There's some things you, you read them, and they get in your spirit. You got to spend half the service getting them out of your spirit. And I've also learned that before bedtime is not a good time to always check email. But not too long ago, it was a situation I was dealing with, and I noticed, I noticed in my inbox that I had a response. And immediately, my mind begins rehearsing all of my retorts to what was in that email. And it was late in the evening, and I made up my mind, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to read that tonight. A couple hours later, I was still up, I thought, you know, there's actually a chance that what's in that email is good. So why am I going to fret about it? Five minutes later, I went, I went to bed not having read it, but torn to pieces. I was already playing out conversations in my mind. I was already coming up with stuff to say. I was, I was hearing the other person what they were going to say, and I had, boy, I was, I was loading up my ammunition. And by the way, I'm not talking about any of you in this room tonight, so if you think. And by the way, this applies to multiple people, so this also is not related to any one person. But I would like to just state, it's been stated a long time ago, but if you are, if you are a lady, please don't text me or email me without including my wife in that. So that's for your benefit and mine. But again, there's a lot. That's not one person here. I'm not shooting at any one person, but please, so... I had, I, I mean, I was, I got up the next morning. I thought, you know what? I, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my coffee first. <laughs> I want, I'm going to enjoy what few moments of the day I can before I read that email. I finally got through my coffee. And, of course, this is on top of all my pity party about my knee as well. So, I finally opened up. And read that email. And guess what? I added to what's left of the 
brown. According to my wife, there's none of it left, but that's another discussion. I added some more unnecessary grays because guess what? It was all good. And I spent 14 plus hours absolutely convinced but what if it was exactly what if it would have been negative but it wasn't and what if it was but I had decided put on my helmet I'm not going to lose sleep. I'm not going to lose my peace. I heard a statement. I won't say where it came from because it's not very spiritual, but you shouldn't rehearse a tragedy before it happens. I, I got a question, and I'm, I'm, I'm closing for the fifth time. When you have, I don't, I don't, financial, physical, family, whatever. When you have a situation, a difficult, challenging situation, and you rehearse the outcomes, which do you usually invest the most time in rehearsing? You know what? If we don't have Jesus, that's the way it ought to be. Everything. What what is it that's in the Holy Ghost? What are the thing? What are the three things the Scripture says are in the Holy Ghost? Righteousness, peace, and joy are in the Holy Ghost. Where's the Holy Ghost? Isn't it interesting? The solutions to what I need are not external. They've already been invested in me when I received the Holy Ghost. I wish that a bunch of us would just simply decide to get mad. My mind does not belong to the enemy. He says it will guard your heart and mind. In essence, I think how you can apply that, it will guard your mind, your thoughts, it will guard your affections, your emotions. The peace of God will guard my emotions and my thoughts. But that's not something that happens just passively. I, I, if, give Julian a little bit of a break tonight. If every single morning, Sister Kelly was having to pick out his clothes, put his clothes on him, there would be a problem. <laughs> Until about 
I guess some, for several days, I, my wife's been putting my sock on me because there was a problem. <laughs> At some point, a part of growing and maturing is learning to put your own clothes on. And I think in the beginning stages, we probably have to help out a little bit. Here's how you get this armor on. But there's a transition that comes that it now becomes, it's not your deacon's responsibility, it's not the pastor's responsibility, it's not your spouse's responsibility, your parents, your kids, it's not anybody, it's your responsibility to put on the armor. Father, help us tonight. Lord, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one in the room tonight that all of this applies to. And so I pray that by your grace you would help us, Lord. Lord, let let that mentality of a wrestler, of a warrior arise within us. That we, we will not continue to let our minds be the enemy's playground. And we will not let our minds be the place where the enemy can stir up imaginations and build strongholds and insert his thoughts and we just become victims of those things. But we will put on the whole armor of God and we will put on the helmet of salvation and we'll take up the sword of the Spirit. We will become actively engaged in guarding and letting your peace rule and reign in our hearts and our minds. Lord, I, I pray that as we uh, embark in a couple of days on, on this time of, of turning off the voices in our lives, turning off the influences of this world, that it wouldn't simply just be a silence that we enter into, but it would be a better hearing, a more sensitivity to your voice, to your word, to your spirit. Lord, that as we continue in these last days and the promises that we have from your word of what you're going to do in the last days, the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the glory of the former house. You're Spirit is going to be poured out on all flesh. Sons and daughters prophesy visions and all of those things, the miraculous. There's still going to be challenges. There's still going to be attacks of the enemy. And First and foremost, Lord, I think those attacks are going to be on our minds. So let your word be freshly planted in our hearts. Lord, as the psalmist said, that we would... Hide your word in our hearts. And he said so that we wouldn't sin against you. But Lord, in, in, in the context of this evening, that we would hide our words in, 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 in your words in our heart, that we would have the, the necessary tools. That when the fiery darts, when the thoughts of the enemy come against our minds, that we, are, we have our armor on and ready to engage rather than Responding in a passive manner, we would take action and cast down, pull down, take captive those things that are contrary to you. Lord, I thank you that 
throughout your word, anything you instruct us, command us to do. Ultimately, we don't have to do it on our own through our own ability. You give us grace. And so, by your grace tonight, Lord, I can't speak for anybody else, but I I know that I've gotten into habits and ruts of, of being passive, of being reactive. By your grace tonight, God, once again, help me to freshly put on the helmet of salvation and take up the sword of the Spirit and to choose, Lord, to think on these things, to choose what my mind dwells on rather than just being a victim of what's going on in my mind. Help us tonight. Stir something within us, Lord. Stir something within us. God, we, we're not supposed to be like the world and need the same mental health and, and aids and treatments that the world does. We've been equipped and empowered, Lord. Let it be active and working in our lives in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.